0: Welcome back to Following Know it On, a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 55. And welcome back to Roshar, Paul and, and Elliot. We are doing Edge Dancer this week. We are back on Roshar with our some some familiar faces, some unfamiliar faces to talk about this week. But we are we are returning from our deviation into Warbreaker, which we've been doing uh, through March and April, and here we are back uh, doing Edge Dancer. Paul, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm super glad to be back in Roshar, to be honest. Um, Warbreaker is fun, but I, I really missed Roshar. And it's nice to be in kind of a familiar environment again, you know.
2: Elliot? I totally agree with Paul. I'm feeling good, energized. Breath of fresh air would, would do a little bit of disservice to Warbreaker because I, I did actually like Warbreaker, but. You know, one page into Edge Dancer was like, "Ah, oh, yes, I remember this world." It was a good feeling. Well, it is
0: a good feeling. I agree. Can I get two words from each of you to summarize this episode? We're doing the entirety of Edge Dancer. This might be a long one. This might be split into two. Who knows? Well, we'll you guys, when we're watching. No, and we don't right now. So, uh, Elliot, can you do two words to scri- or to summarize Edge Dancer for
2: me? Mine are probably super obvious for why I'm picking them, but I I went for simple and straightforward. My, my two words for edge dancer are compassion and growth. Good. Paul?
1: I think one of my words is a bit similar. I have impassioned and embarrassing.
0: Good. Good. Let's use these words and talk about edge dancer. Alright, I'm most interested about embarrassing, so let's start there, There, Paul, what's embarrassing?
1: Of course, well, so I mostly did chose these words, mostly for just the character of Lyft as a whole. This whole book is just Lyft, um, this like, short book, and so I kind of chose impassioned and embarrassing. To summarize Lyft, um, she's a very comical, lighthearted, hearted doesn't like to take things seriously character, Um, and in my personal opinion, I'm a big fan of the lighthearted comedic characters, but I don't, I didn't think, I didn't think Lyft was funny. I thought she was kind of embarrassing, uh, for a lot of the part, but I will go ahead and say, I, I think, I think I should go ahead and share what my favorite Lyft joke was. Um, and it's, it's near the end of the book. Um, and. She, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up paraphrasing it, but she says the day the Almighty was giving out brains, I wasn't there. Um, she's talking to Darkness or nail Um, mm-hmm. it was like, but the day she I, I was back in time, the day he was giving out looks, but I see you weren't. Yeah, and then it, the narrator's like, "That's her favorite joke," but it didn't seem to land and stuff like that. And I thought that was pretty funny. I totally butchered that, so I'm really really sorry. To <laughs> everybody who likes that joke, and it's now been ruined in the delivery. But I thought that was funny, but a lot of her stuff I think is a bit embarrassing, and she doesn't really care what people think about her, though, so uh, it works out.
0: Alright. Did you talk about your other word?
1: I did. Uh, so, impassioned was my other word, and it's my more serious one. Um, It's kind of just I, I feel like Lyft's character development through this book is one of caring or compassion maybe um she's she seems a very like a very much of a i'm just doing my own thing i want to go steal food or eat food or whatever and do my thing not really concerned about other people and what they have going on Uh, but as the story progresses and she kind of learns a little bit about her skills and uh her ability to help heal people and stuff like that i feel like we see an increase in concern for others and compassion for others um, and she just is a very kind of loud, you know, not shy character and just very impassioned in general. So
2: nice. Uh, Elliot lift is definitely very impulsive. I, I think with your, your impassion there, Paul, I definitely agree. Lift is, is very like go your gut, you know, do what she ever, whatever she wants in the moment kind of thing. But what you were kind of talking about there ties into my my word, compassion, because I totally agree with you. I think a big part of this story was Lyft learning how to have compassion for those around her. And I think Lyft from the start definitely cares about other people. I, I think she's already—she's gotten to that point where she does care, but I think she learned how to be a little less— self-focused and a little more outward-focused, which I th- I really liked. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a huge growing process for Lyft, which leads me into my second word, which was growth, which I picked because of that, because Lyft grows as a character a lot, but I feel like our other characters have also grown a lot. We see some growth with Darkness. We see him have a big like character moment at the end of the the story where he finally ac- accepts reality and then I think Zeth actually I think I'm sh- I'm sure we're going to talk about Zeth quite a bit once we get to that um well, but I was actually really intrigued by the Zeth cameo here cuz this was this was not the same Zeth we've seen before and so I think there's been some growth there um, But lots of characters growing. And then, of course, kind of with the theme of Wendell and his vines and growing and Lyft's growth ability that she has that we didn't really see too much of in, in this story. Maybe we saw a little bit in a couple places. places. Um, but, yeah, compassion and growth. Good. Yes, we will certainly be talking about
0: Zeth. We'll be talking about surge binding and the, all the rules that are starting to play into here of who can do what, when can they do it. How can they do it? And we've got some people who are search binding in the story and they don't even know it. And by that definition, they are being hunted by, by nail, but we'll get all, t- all, we'll get into all that here in a second. I want to, I want to recap for you guys kind of where Roshar is. Cause it's been a little bit for us. Uh, we've, we stopped for war So it's been uh, a little bit since the end of words of radiance for us. So, what's here's your here's your weather report for roshar if you will that the alethi were fighting the parchment on the shattered Plains, which is on the east side of roshar the everstorm is summoned and it's blowing east so as the other the everstorm is summoned and blows off the continent immediately Assuming it's going relatively the same pace as a high storm, um, it'll be it'll be back in eight nine days ish, so like a little bit more often than once every two weeks is what a high storm is because they have five day weeks in in Roshar if you remember that. So I don't know if they know this on planet on world, but it's a circular planet, and so as the as the storm rounds the earth and it's going to hit the uh the west side of of Roshar here. So this is happening or this story is happening about a week and a half afterwards Radiance ends. And for the last 5 6 days, the Alethi have been span reading everybody they know saying there is a red storm blowing the wrong direction you need to prepare for it. And what do you guys think the uh the response is going to be from the rest of the world that the Alethi are screaming their heads off about a red storm running, running the wrong direction? What what's what, what's going to be the reaction here? We see a little bit um in this in this book. It's kind of it's kind of in the background, but uh let's talk about Roshar as a whole as we get into the
1: story. Definitely a lot of just confusion. I I, mean, I guess I didn't pick up on it that much. Um, I guess I didn't know that specific detail going into it, uh, but yeah, there's obviously a lot of confusion, and they kind of talked a little bit about Red Thunder and all this stuff. Um, I almost get the vision in some parts that it's like the purge is happening, almost like I feel like a lot of people are just going crazy, but I feel like that's just kind of our bad guys who are behind the scene. But I, I, I didn't notice anything major from my read through. Um, about that?
2: I, The only thing that I noticed was that there were a couple small references to the Alethi, I think, in the communications between the Azir people and the, these people in the city that, uh, that Lyft is in, and the Lyft's friend Gox, who became the prime... I forget what he was called. We should have there, had that as a spell should, check. I, yeah, we should have. But uh, yeah, that, there was a, little, a few references to, you know, oh, those crazy Alethi, they, they've lost their minds. What are they talking about? But then the storm hits, and i got to imagine that everywhere across, you know, especially Western Roshar, people are going to have heard the message and think, oh, that's ridiculous. What do they think? What are they talking about? And then the storm's going to hit, and it's just absolutely going to wreck places a lot more than this city that we saw which is kind of buried in the ground and a little protected so after that they're gonna have a newfound respect for dalinar and the alethia and their message and they're gonna think you know oh wow they knew it was coming they tried to warn us we better listen next time and so i think dalinar is going to have the ear perhaps of a lot of Roshar where before they just all thought he was crazy right
0: So, a lot of a lot of art on the Stormlight Archive has every building, f- like, bracing one direction. And Brandon Sanderson's mentioned a couple times that like all the infrastructure is you know slanted because all of the all the storms come from the same direction. So as soon as the storm blows the other direction, it's going to cause a lot of a lot of infrastructure damage all across Roshar. Because forever and ever, there's always been storms blowing
2: one direction. So, all right. I'm I'm especially curious, actually, as we get into Oathbringer, to see if we learn what the impacts have been in Shinovar, because we've we know if we've heard before that Shinovar is not only on the western edge of Roshar where the storms are weakest, it's completely protected by mountains, and so they basically have no high storms there. Which means they'd have, you know, zero preparation for a storm of that level. So did the did were they still kind of protected from their mountains by the new Everstorm, or did the Everstorm just like completely decimate the the, the, the Shinovar? Well, I'm I'm actually really curious to, to see if we'll learn that. So Elliot, if you look
0: at your map, uh Shinovar is cupped by the, the misted mountains, they're called. Um, not to be conf- confused with the yeah. the misty mountains from <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, they're the Misted yeah. Mountains, uh, but yeah, there's they they do have a coastline, they do have an open coast, so we we don't know a lot about Shinovar, but from just from a geography standpoint, it doesn't look like they're gonna fare very well from from the Everstorm.
1: Yeah, they're doomed, pretty much. <laughs> Long story short.
0: Alright, I need to go I need to go fishing here to see how much you guys know. Uh because I'm not hundred percent positive how much you guys know and you don't at this point. Do you guys know what is happening to Parshman at this point? Um by the end of the story, like with the Everstorm. Do you have any like guesses? Do you have you been have we been told this at this point?
2: So I don't know if we've been told this explicitly, but my understanding at this point is that the Everstorm is actively awakening Parshman into voidbringers, really, the 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 storm form version that we've seen our our Parshendi turn into. And we we see a little bit of that at the end of, of Edge Dancer, right? The right. lift and and darkness are up on top and they see the parchment that had been kicked out and banished and they see them like come alive with red glowing eyes and i i don't think we get much more detail than that if i remember but they they see something happening with the parchment and that's part of what helps darkness or nail or nin or whatever we're calling him have his little awakening moment of oh crap this is actually happening that that's what i've picked up so far
0: Paul, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's as far as I knew, was that everyone was kind of doubting, and then now Parchment are starting to have red glowing eyes, and everyone's starting to ask questions now, or believe maybe that the, everything that they heard was true, so um, definitely a chaotic time for everyone.
0: Gotcha kind of tied to this. And we'll we'll talk about lift and windle here in a here in a second. But I kind of want to highlight uh Nail and and Zeth real quick because Zeth is is here in this in this story briefly, but N- Nail's our main antagonist here. He is a skybreaker and he has been tasked with preventing the final desolation from coming or preventing the void bringers from coming back. And the way he interprets that he's, he is taken, taken it upon himself to hunt all the surge binders because in his mind, the void bringers can't come back if the surge binders don't come back. So he needs to make sure the surge binders don't come back first. And then the void bringers can't come back. So that's what he's been doing in all these interludes that we've been seeing him in is he's been hunting these Surge Binders uh through uh through these interludes. He he showed up in the interlude with the the shoemaker guy, um, who is accidentally heal- healing people and he uh was killed by nail and then uh, he's been hunting lift for a little bit now, which comes to a climax here at the end of this story. Um in the interlude that we had him in, in Words of Radiance, he he had Lift defeated in what was the the country they were in? I don't remember. Azir, Azir, yeah.
1: That and, was gonna be my guess.
0: And Gox commands him to stay his blade because he's he's the Prime now. And Nail says, "Okay, I'm going to follow the law to the letter, even if I don't agree with it." So he doesn't kill Lyft then, and as long as Lyft stays in Azir, she's safe. Well, she gets bored and she leaves, and so then and then Nail comes and follows her here um and attacks her. So uh I do think it's interesting that we get a lot of highlights for Skybreakers in this story and Elliot, I know you've been tentatively afraid that you've been sorted into the Skybreaker Yes. hogwarts house does this does this ease your conscience a little bit does it make you more upset that you're a skybreaker G- give me some give me some thoughts there
2: yeah coming out of this story a little more a little more encouraged i think just because it seems like clear implication from this story is that nail is off the rails that he is right that there's even a reference i think it's the Crazy, sleepless guy that we're going to talk about later. Call, directly calls him a madman, and it 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 seems like it's it, it seems like he is not behaving the way a skybreaker actually should. He he has misunderstood his 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 manifesto or, or whatever he's supposed to be doing, and so I'm kind of clinging to that as. Nin is not a good example of a skybreaker, and so I'm I'm not part of an order that just goes around murdering people for stealing apples. Um, right? Yeah, I, I, maybe it's more of a hope than a than facts at this point, but that's where I'm at.
1: Paul, I, I'm not I'm not a skybreaker, but I think I can agree with you there that uh, it seems like Nail is. An extremist, to to say the least. Right. Like he's just taken this order that's focused on you know like lawful behavior, you know, and and like working in accordance kind of thing. Um, and that there are consequences, just to the the farthest extreme. So, um, nail seems ridiculous, and it's made me sad. Um, not I'm not a skybreaker, so I haven't worried about. That at least, you know, no big deal. Uh I'll just leave Kaladin as our poster child for the Windrunners, but um uh but it's made me worried for Zeth because I was really hoping that this Herald would just be a great guy and it would be a great character <laughs> development for Zeth. And now I feel like it's just gonna get worse. So who knows? Maybe Zeth is no longer going to be able to be my, I don't know. It's like Zeth has been the most interesting character to me and I want him to turn out good. And I'm, right. I just, I don't think it's going to happen anymore. I just don't know. So well, if so, then it's going to have to be some realization that Niall is crazy and Niall, Nail, um, not to be confused with the one direction. member Niall <laughs> or whatever, you know, haha, funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. We haven't seen anything with Zeth, really. We just kind of got a little cameo. So. Right. So, which I thought was extremely cool, by the way.
0: So by the end of the story, it it. I mean, we don't get this spelled out explicitly for us, but Nail stays his hand on, on, on Lyft and doesn't kill her, realizes that the Voidbringers have indeed returned, which is what Lyft kind of cries out in the middle of this Everstorm, um, as like a please don't kill me, there's you're already too late, you failed. There's no reason to kill me now. Um And then Zeth, when he's talking with Lyft, he's it's a very civil conversation and Zeth has no trust for Nail, even though he gave him Nightblood, uh which Nightblood also makes a cameo here. So Um Zeth is is Definitely making his own decisions, whereas up until this point in our epic saga here, the last two very long books, he hasn't been making his own decisions. He's been following his oath stone, So he's not just taking Nail's word for it and doing whatever Nail says. He's definitely looking at it from his own perspective and talking probably with Nightblood about it, like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah.
1: I did think it was kind of cool. So, since we know about Nightblood and that basically the only thing he's wired to do is quote kill evil, right? Um, it, it mentions that Nightblood is like, Oh, no, like, don't worry about her, like, you know, she's not evil or whatever. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it just kind of showed that Lyft is just a very like whimsical, like, kind of pure of heart character. Um, so.
2: I, I was definitely picking up some of that that you're talking about, Trevor, in the, the scene where Zeth and Lyft interact. I, I got to say, I think that brought me maybe a little closer to, to your side of things, Paul. I think we talked at the end of Words of Radiance. Uh, he, you, were, you were excited that, that Zeth could, could turn out to be a, a hero and a good guy here, and I, I was very worried the opposite, that this this was going to be a bad influence on him, that him plus knight blood was going to be catastrophic but the the scene right here where like you're saying trevor he he's not just blindly taking orders from from nail he's he's making his own decisions and he's he's directly honestly going against what nail is is doing he knows that nail is hunting people like lift he sees lift as they're leaving the the library type place and he doesn't do anything he he knows exactly who she is and he doesn't do anything and that starts to make me wonder you know has zeth taken a pretty big step towards good guy in air quotes for those of you not watching i'm i'm doing my air quotes here you know is this is Zeth making his own decision and a good decision like that's really encouraging i think really encouraging
1: Yeah, I'm definitely happy to see it, and just from an aesthetic standpoint, also, I think Zeth's, like, the way he kind of walks into the scene was just so epic. I, I'm just always a big fan of Zeth's, of like, aesthetic, like, the assassin in white, and now he has this black blade, and whenever he lifts, I guess, sees him or knows he's coming, she, like, tries to hide, and he, like kind of unsheaths Nightblade and it says this like black smoke kinda like pours out and it was just the coolest like visionary piece. Um I, I thought it was super cool. And it made me super excited to to get Zeth content once we I assume there's gonna be some in uh Oathbringer, which will be starting after this, which I'm <laughs> thrilled about. And it, it got me really, really stoked for that. So
0: Nice. Alright. Any more any more thoughts on, on Zeth? We'll we'll come back to Zeth and, and Nightblood and Nail before the end of this episode, but any more thoughts real quick before we we talk about the namesake of this uh of this book? No other thoughts. Um
1: are we able to talk about Wendell first? I would love to talk about Wendell. Yeah, let's go. Or if we need to wait. Okay. I I have to I, I'm gonna go and just kick us off a little bit. So I think Wendell was super cool. I really liked him. I was honestly like, okay, is Wendell cooler or is Sil cooler? Which is a big Whoa. for me. And I don't I don't I don't I don't think it's there. I was just excited at the time before you get ahead of yourself, Trevor. I definitely like Sil a lot more than Wendell, but I thought Wendell was super cool. He was really interactive and he was really funny um, and stuff. So I thought Wendell was super cool and just kind of his little, I was still a little confused about how he appears. He's like just kind of a little thing of branches or twigs or a little leaf or, you know, just kind of runs around like as vines, um, which I think is super cool. Um, It's kind of hard to picture that. Um, but I thought it was super cool. And once again, the biggest thing I want to say is kind of the notion of spreads being the contrast to their radiant. Um, we, you know, we've had Syl and Kaladin with chelon and Pattern. It's I feel like it's a little more abstract, so I'm gonna leave that off to the side for now. But I really feel like Wendell's just this like calm. Like, stay in your lane, like, mind your business, mind your P's and Q's or whatever, like, gardener. (laughs) And Lyft is just this kid who just wants to run around and do all this stuff and cause a ruckus. Um, And I thought it was a really interesting contrast there, which I really liked. So I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to go and stop there. That's what y'all think.
0: I don't know if this is terribly accurate, but I always envisioned Wendell as, like, a dryad. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the mythical creature a dryad but it's kind of like a wind leaf wind leaf spirit um in in mythology there's for reference I'm specifically thinking of uh the Chronicles of Narnia um has a very good depiction of a dryad in my mind so uh reference that for your for your visual but that that's how I always I always thought of of windle but there's there's a couple limitations to that because he's physical at least for for lift and yes he's he's very proper very i don't think we should like i don't think you should be calling me void bringer and i and uh lift is like shut up void bringer i can t- call you whatever i want i'm in charge here and uh lift refers to her search binding as her awesomeness and she slides around everywhere and uh that's how she she travels Um, this, this book opens up with Lyft, like, sliding across the countryside, and she slams into a tree, and the tree falls over because the tree is being dramatic, not because Lyft is, uh, Lyft is carrying enough force to knock the tree over. The tree falls over because it feels like it should, and then the trees next to it fall over. So, there's some... (sighs) There's some weird fauna and flora happening on, on Roshar, and it's just a, a highlight mm-hmm. for it on on the west side of Roshar here. What do you, what are you guys' thoughts on, the once we, we're getting another glimpse of a different part of Roshar that we haven't been in before, and we're just getting another reference that we're in underwater Roshar, and everything's like an anemone, and it moves and falls over and everything like that.
1: anemone
0: I I can watch Finding Nemo whenever I want
1: true um, the anemones here are really cool and I, honestly I don't think I cut onto that when I was reading about that I, I kind of took that as a like uh, a quote funny lift moment of just like she slams into something and knocks it over and it's like oh he's being dramatic you know not that like like is that like the trees were literally like have no, the, we're just being dramatic or the, whatever, or is so, that the joke intended?
0: The the rock buds on the east side of Roshar shrink in every time somebody walks close to them because I don't know that's
1: they're shy. Yeah, they have
0: I... to survive high scorbs. so right, yeah. mm-hmm. they're used to they yeah they're used to pulling in. So, uh, trees and plants and stuff are way more animated on on Roshar than we're familiar with.
1: Okay, that does make a lot of sense. Interesting. Yeah, that's that definitely gives an interesting picture to the the landscape that I, I didn't actually notice. I'm kind of glad you pointed that out.
2: Look at look into my map, and just some of the colors that are on it. I was expecting this area of the world to be a lot more deserty. It, it's colored a very kind of sandy tans and and browns, but I I honestly haven't really gotten that vibe from and where are we at here we're in Ta- tashik is that how you say it tashik yes tashik and it we haven't gotten too much of a description of the landscape so perhaps it is you know fairly fairly deserty. but i was expecting like sand dunes and stuff like that and instead we're getting you know descriptions of trees that are falling over which honestly that didn't surprise me very much i've gotten used to weird flora around the the lands of Roshar. So if a if a tree wants to fall over because it wants to, I sure, why not? I mean, it's Roshar.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the comparison I wanna make between like Wendell and, and Lyft is well okay, this is just mostly about Wendell, but he's just kind of a gentleman for the finer things, you know. He loves his garden and it was just the most beautiful garden and all the he absolutely to... has a
2: British accent. Oh, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> he has a British accent.
1: He is, and you know, if he's late for tea, he's not a happy man. I'm sure. Seems um, very orderly and and everything. He he. I I thought Wendell was pretty funny and amusing, mostly just because he's with Lyft. who's yep. just like a thirteen year old kid. Um. Is just running around all the time, but she still um, thinks also, she's also one ten. thing that I thought was really neat. And I don't, yes, of course, she's been 10 for three years now. Yeah, um, one thing I noticed, which I don't know if this is an important detail, but I I thought it was cool and I, I made a point to like remember it. Um, so Wendell mentions the other kinds of sprint that we know, like uh, honor sprint and cryptics. And I he, he mentions, like, oh, honor spren and cryptics alike came to admire my garden, something like that. Um, and he also mentions, I believe, like, a cane spren, which I don't know if that's... I'm assuming that's something we haven't seen, or I, I'm not even 100% that that is another spren. Maybe I just heard something wrong. But I'm just going to go ahead and note it down that we've now seen four different kinds of the spren, if only four. Like we know that we know, like our honor sprint, our cryptics, um, and then I forgot if Wendell gives a name for himself or anything, but we're assuming he's a different kind. And then there's these I, keen sprint, which weren't elaborated on at all. But
2: yeah, I was I was curious about that too. I I think I pieced together that Wendell says he's a cultivation sprint. I. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I think from context that was true because he, he was kind of making a reference to that his spren are like the lesser spren in Shadesmar. You've got the the honor spren and the cryptics who are, you know, like the they're they're the the nobles, I suppose, of the spren world, whereas cultivation spren are the, the gardeners and the the landscapers of Shadesmar.
0: We have a fifth as well that you guys are forgetting. Um Yasna has a Spren, and she referred to him as an Ink Spren. So he is, uh, oh, he's yeah. an Ink Spren that we've, we've seen a brief mention of once back on, the Wind's Pleasure. So, okay. so
1: five. five. That's like yeah.
2: half. That's pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to point out. Um about wendell I like i'm going to go on about wendell for a little while and just kind of things i thought were super neat um and we can kind of learn a little bit about other sprint i think from it is so he when talking about shard blades he he makes a little comment to like oh i'd love to see myself as a shard blade i imagine it'd be so regal right and no. all this stuff but he he makes a comment and i made sure to note it down i hope this was right um that they don't like shard blades because it hurts them to do it. Or maybe it's like... It like doesn't... I don't know. He made a comment about like... It can hurt to be a shard blade or it's difficult or something like that. Okay. I was a little confused. And I was curious if, if Elliot, you picked that up or if Trevor, if you remember that or anything. I could be remembering that wrong, but...
0: I will be honest, I don't remember that. Definitely, that I'm doesn't... assuming I wrote it for I... a
1: reason.
2: I I did not write anything down on that, but it does seem vaguely familiar. I remember Wendell talking about kind of that process and how he he didn't he was afraid of Lyft turning him into a sharp blade because like he he didn't want to hit people like don't hit people with me please. But but I, I I did think that was funny in contrast with what you're talking about, Paul, where he he did actually want to be a sharp like oh it would just. It'd be awesome to, to be a shard blade. You know, don't hit don't hit anything with me. I just want to, you know, just hold me aloft or you know whatever mm-hmm. that's gonna be. And then that the hilarious part is instead of a shard blade, he ends up being like a, a shard fork. at the Yeah, other that end. was really but, funny.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah,
2: that was that was a great scene. But I, I don't remember the details of what you're talking about. But I it is ringing a little bit of a bell where he's talking about that process. I have to go back and read it. I have to go back and look for it.
0: If I'm remembering correctly. I think it's in reference to her trying to summon him before he, she says the words. So at the, in the second to last chapter, she says her, her third, yeah, her third ideal, which is, I will listen to those who have been ignored, which we'll get to uh, here in a little bit. And then she can summon him as a shard blade, but she chooses to summon him as a shard stick, uh, because that's what she wants to summon him as. Um, so I th- I think it's in reference to her trying it without saying the words is what you're is what you're referring to.
1: Okay. They could they could very well be. I would be curious to see on that. I just remember hearing that and I got really curious. And I thought maybe in the grand scheme it could end up being a testament between the spren and the person and their bond in that like the Sprint is almost kind of giving something up or going to a great length to like provide assistance for their radiant or something like that, something noble like that. Uh But I wasn't sure. So I wrote that down a while, a while ago. I don't remember when it was in the book or what. Um So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see. I could just be completely wrong. So
2: I, I think in that same conversation, maybe it's a different one. I wrote down that Wendell talks about how he can be anything. He can he can turn into any lift wants him to be, but it has to be metal. And maybe I noted that wrong, but I I thought that was important actually. That first, why metal? Why does it have to be metal? And it actually made me think of your guys' discussions we've had on previous episodes about uh, Mistborn. Mistborn, yep. And I, I've not not—I've I've not read a single word of Mistborn yet, um, but I know, Trevor, of course you have, and Paul, you've read a little bit, I know. And I know that metals play into the magic system of that world. So is that perhaps like a little bit of crossover here, you know, continuity across this world of, do, do shard blades have to be metal for similar reasons to the metal magic in that other world perhaps it was just a thought
1: so like you said i've only read a little i did just finish the first part of it today um and i can't from from where i'm at which is very early i can't see that being a big enough deal to matter um so i wouldn't say it is but i have like i said i haven't even finished the first book so very well could be something um, relating, so I don't know if Trevor has stuff to say about that.
0: Uh, I'm just glad you picked it up. That's all I'll say. Helpful.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention one more thing on window before we, we leave him. Just another thing to perhaps note for later, but he was talking about when he was sent to Roshar to bond with a, a night radiant and when he he chose lift or was assigned to lift he mentions that he was sent by the ring and it's it's capitalized the ring like it's you know I almost felt like there was like a dun 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 in the background like when he said it and it, it actually rings a little bit of my memory I think we've had a reference to the ring before in words of radiance just like an offhand mention maybe it was pattern pattern drops a lot of like interesting little things i'm realizing that are references to important things so i'm i'm now very curious as to what is the ring and how does it have play into like assigning spread to radiance and that whole process so
0: Yeah, I can't. No, I can't. I can't speak on it. I was gonna. I was gonna spoil something for you and, and give you a little bit more context there, but actually, I have to wait for. Uh...
2: Now we'll, we'll find it. Yeah, I, I we'll have, have to wait it. for Oathbringer for that. Okay. That was it on Window.
1: Yeah, it was about everything. I think that was everything I had. I think I think Wendell is really cool, um, just in general, and I feel like we learned a bit of neat little just kind of fun facts nothing like crazy with him but just some little tidbits of of knowledge and stuff and i thought he was a really like fun addition to our cast kind of thing this like fine gentleman yep takes uh, great pride in the the finer things in his garden and stuff like that so